I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part series on working with monitors. This podcast series is sponsored by Affiliated Monitors. A word about Affiliated Monitors. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides professional, independent integrity monitoring, ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as a corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in over 700 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. In this podcast series, I'm joined by Don Stern, the Managing Director of Corporate Monitoring and Consulting Services at Affiliated Monitors. We're going to take a look at concerns and fears people have of working with monitors, what the positive aspects of working with monitors are, how monitors go about their jobs, the regulators' use of monitors, both in civil and criminal matters, and finally, how attorneys use monitors to resolve white-collar and other matters. I know you'll find it to be a very interesting series going forward. This series, Working with Monitors, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for the concluding uh, episode of my five-part series of Working with Monitors, where I've been visiting with Don Stern, the Managing Director of Corporate Monitors and Consulting Services at Affiliated Monitors. Today, we're going to wrap up our series by looking at attorneys using monitors to resolve white-collar or other uh, types of matters. So, Don, uh, I've been very intrigued to get your uh, perspective, both uh, in, from the criminal side of things, from your work in the state government, the federal government, and how, how attorneys can use monitors, can use folks like affiliated monitors to help them resolve, resolve literally a wide variety of uh, issues. Well, yeah, the 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 the, the one uh, mistake I think that that companies and outside lawyers sometimes make, although I think most people have wised up not to do this anymore, is to essentially um, be under investigation by a government agency. Let's say it's the Department of Justice or a state AG or some other agency, and then um, until there is a resolution, until there is some kind of um, monitor in place, to not have done anything, to stand still. And I think that it's kind of the seeds. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that the government is going to view your conduct more seriously if during the course of the investigation, nothing happens. So one of the things that we have done, and I've actually seen this work both um, as a practicing lawyer when I was when I had a white-collar practice and, and was representing companies, but even more so now working for the last you know five years or so with affiliated monitors, that um, – Good, good lawyers, good outside counsel will will bring us in um, during the course of the investigation, not not to do the investigation, not to be part of the investigation, but to make recommendations and assess the ethics and compliance program. So, and sometimes, by the way, it's done even before, let's say, self-reporting to the government. So, you know, in an ideal world, a company would want to um, find the problem. In many cases, if it was appropriate, voluntarily reported the problem to the government so they get the credit for having done that. But to then package that in a way to say, not only have we discovered the problem, not only are we reporting the problem, but we fixed the problem. And we did so with the benefit of an independent third party. And we, we, we may even want to keep that third party 
with us to independently assess how we do going forward. That's very persuasive to prosecutors. And I have certainly seen situations where, uh, in some cases, it's resulted in a declination where the where the prosecutor, uh, the AUSA or the U.S. attorney, has, des- has decided to not prosecute and give maximum credit, if you will, for the for the company's efforts, or at the very least, has resulted in in a significantly diminished outcome, penalty, fine, uh, or in some cases, not even appointment of a monitor. So all of these things. I think can can be used in a in a proactive way, not in a defensive way, but in a proactive way to persuade the government not only that that the company is serious about compliance, that the uh, matter that they're investigating may have been more of an of the result of outliers and doesn't reflect the the culture and the values of the company, but that putting that history aside one way or the other, because the government may have a different view going forward. We're gonna we're gonna do the best we can to to be compliant. So one of the trends I think we've seen is exactly what you've articulated, Don, is to be very active in in what I would call the remediation phase. But the monitorship or the types of skills that you're advocating is not simply just remediating. It's really looking at the problem in a holistic approach, uh, then assessing that problem, coming up with some solutions, implementing the solutions, but perhaps even most importantly, really ongoing monitor of those solutions after you've implemented them to one make sure you uh, actually have implemented them, but two, taking that information and looping it back in in, in a literally a feedback loop so the companies can improve their compliance programs. Is, uh, is that approach really uh, what you've seen uh, be persuasive to regulators? Absolutely. I mean, more and more and more, and, and, and this is, and maybe we're probably saying the same thing, Tom, more and more the government agencies are getting pretty sophisticated uh, in, in this arena. And, and it used to be that if you made a kind of a dog and pony presentation to a, to a prosecutor about your compliance program, um, that would, that would be important. That would be persuasive. But now more and more, the government is saying, um, and, and by the way, they see this with repeat offenders or, re, or re, repeat customers, I guess you'd say. <laughs> um, they they, they want to know, is it real? <clears throat> is this a real program? You know, we, we, we've read all this stuff. We want to know if it's real. And, and the way they, you can find out if it's real <clears throat> is to have somebody come in and to do this sort of assessment um, loop process that you're describing, assessment, uh, review, looping back to the company, making changes, testing to see whether the changes are real changes or working changes. Uh, <clears throat> this is a little bit of a old war story, but you know um, it's real, so it, it's I guess it has some force, and it goes back probably <clears throat> maybe 20 years ago when I was serving as U.S. Attorney in Massachusetts, and we had a company come in. We were trying to decide whether to charge the company. It kind of predates, if you will, the the accelerated growth of deferred prosecution. So it was really a question of do we prosecute the company, look for some resolution or not. company comes in, big presentation about its compliance program, code of conduct, and 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 we're sitting there and we're looking at this presentation. It was actually a pretty good presentation and 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 you know pretty persuasive. And then we're, we're looking through the code of conduct and we realize that the company's um, and the company had a big fancy cover on the code of conduct. And you look through that in the training program and there's a different name of a company, different company, was in the materials. So it'd been pretty clear 
<clears throat> to us that um, it, this was basically a cut and paste job. This, this was not a real program. This was basically a, a, a quickly put together, patched together program that was designed to persuade us. And then we subpoenaed a couple of people into the grand jury, you know, employees into the grand jury, and 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 it was kind of an invit- and asked them questions about their training, about the program, about their understanding of the compliance program, and it was all a charade. It, 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 and 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 I always say to companies, you're better off having a real program than having a sham program, because if it, if there's one thing that 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 will be, you know, blood in the water to the prosecutor is if they if they think you're trying to blow one past them. So you got to have a real program, and bringing somebody in on a proactive basis as a way of assessing, reviewing, and testing that is one way to assure the government that you have a real program. Don, you touched on something there very obliquely that I've heard numerous uh, white collar practitioners say is is if not the most important thing, it's certainly one of the most important things, and that's your credibility with the prosecutors. And it strikes me that uh, by having a truly an independent, even independent of the uh, outside counsel who may be heading up an investigation, come in and and assessing the compliance program or or whatever regulatory compliance issues need to be assessed, it's one more way to bring that credibility to uh, in front of the prosecutors. Yeah, I mean, I think credibility, it gets earned. It, you know, it can, be, it can be destroyed and undermined very, very quickly. It's like any of our, our reputation, your reputation, <clears throat> my reputation. It it's, it's all takes years to build that up, a company's reputation. So, uh, yeah, we pride ourselves, certainly, at Affiliated Monitors, both on our individual reputation, but how we've operated as a firm, you know, with credibility and, and, and independence. And I do think there is a difference. I mean, anybody who who thinks that, that you know, a prosecutor or an AUSA or a U.S. attorney will, is a blank slate and doesn't take into account, you know, issues like that. What's, what's the track record of this person, this company that's in front of me? Can I, can I trust what they say? All of that is is very very important and you have to preserve and protect that sense of integrity and independence because as i said it can disappear fairly quickly well don unfortunately we're near the end of our time but this has just been a fascinating exploration certainly for me on how uh you should work with monitors i really want to thank you for taking the time to visit with me over this five-part series and frankly i look forward to continuing the conversation well good i, I enjoyed it very much tom thanks Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this special presentation of a five-part series on working with monitors on the Compliance Podcast Network. If you have any questions of Don, you can reach him at don.stern at affiliatedmonitors.com. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you look forward to our next special series from the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.